This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. And it certainly does do that, covers all things commercial investing. Phil Tarrant, co-host of Inside Commercial Property, joined by my co-host, Scott O'Neill, Rethink Investing, the guy, director, founder. What other titles you got? That'll Chief bottle washer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything that's required. Yeah. Used to be a bottle washer. Yeah. Five years in a pub. Yeah. Have you actually done your time in a pub? RCG, yeah. Which, which, um, which pub do you work in? We don't um, need some fancy one somewhere. No, no. Cronulla Sharks. Yeah, five years there. Just, just pulling schooners. I used to do the graveyard shift um, one, oh, 12 a.m. till 6 a.m. on the pokies, cleaning no. up ashtrays. That's a horrible job, isn't it? Yeah, it was a character building, that one. So you actually you have to sit there and do all the gambling, just watching. No, I, that was before I progressed to that. It was literally cleaning ashtrays. That yeah, was the, just walking around. Yeah. yeah. But it was double time, so means to an end. Was that while you were studying? Uh, yeah, you? that was uni days. So, yeah. Um, but, it was, yeah, I just remember it was – you felt like you had – I don't even smoke and I hate smoking and that was just like – The miserable job. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't. And then they changed the rules, so that was good. So, oh, smoking. so then you progressed the barman, did you? <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. then yeah, it took took a, about a year of doing that. Then, then uh, yeah, playing with the actual pokies where you, you know, what if, what I can't remember what you call it. You basically like deal with all the technical side of it, so okay. you fix the problems when they they get jammed and. Uh, and how dodgy were they? Like you know, poker machines. Oh, they pay out much. Oh no, you you see people put a hundred grand a year into it, like. They used to stick their credit cards into the buttons and, um, you know, two credit cards at once, two $5 machines just spinning. And uh, you talk to all the patrons and you just, you know, you often say, well, why are you doing it? And they're just like, well, I don't I don't want to die with the money. It's my right to do it. Like there's that kind of attitude with a few. And, yeah, they're just, they're just addicted. They chase it. Boredom was the main one, I think. They just went there like... Like, like the noise and the buzzing. Sounds a lot like commercial property investing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so what, what's, the, what's the one thing you learned from, from, from working the pokies and pulling beers at the Sharks that you, you use daily oh, as a, a, a commercial property investor? It made me never want to gamble. On, like I'll do the odd sports bet thing if you're watching a game, but mm. yeah, I, I know the house wins and it's so ridiculous to me to put money into it because it's guaranteed to lose. Yeah. Like, And I've just seen thousands of examples. So... Gambling got very boring for me after that. Um, even when you're drunk, nothing else to do. It's like, well, why would I put 50 bucks into it? I know it's going to go. Mm. You know, or there's a one in 10 chance I'll get 70 bucks out of it. Like, <laughs> so, so what you're saying then to generalize and summarize is that your money is probably better off in a property asset of rather course. than in a poker machine. <laughs> of course. There's a reason those buildings are so big. It's not from footy tickets. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we digress, but uh, it's good to see you, mate. Um, uh, we catch up once a month. We do Inside Commercial Property. We've been you know, doing this for a number of years now. I've really enjoyed it. I must admit my um, uh, my knowledge around commercial investing has is, is grown considerably, so thanks for, for your insights and, and, and advice over uh, many different conversations that we have. Um, but much like yourself, I'm, I'm a commercial property investor, uh, not to the significance of someone like yourself, however, um, uh, we both invest in property and you know, property is a game of finance, and uh, we're in a in a market right now which is certainly in flux. Whether or not we're at the end of this 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 interest rate upwards interest rate cycle, the jury is still out. We're going to all know what's what's happening shortly. Um, 
uh, whether or not we are at that terminal rate or whether there's a little bit to go. But I think the consensus is, Scott, that we're probably at or towards the top and and a lot of the economists are actually pricing in uh, falls towards the back end of next year or even earlier um, back into this year potentially. Uh, so who knows? But uh, we like talking about mortgages. I don't know anyone that likes mortgages. Most people would rather not have a mortgage. It actually means death pledge um, in, in French. So um, uh, I don't know anyone that loves having mortgages, but they're a, a, a necessary evil for ensuring you can be probably most productive as an investor if you're using the the, 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 the one of the marvels of the world of leverage, right, uh, to do it. There is some cash buyers out there doing stuff, but most of us do have home loans. So um, we thought we'd get someone into the studio to help us out with this. And if you're tuning into this via uh, uh, the YouTube or any of the social media channels, welcome. Thanks for coming uh, along and, and checking out. And you could probably see Son Fan here. He's from uh, uh, Rethink Financing, which is part of the, the Rethink family. Um, he's your personal broker. Does your mortgages? Yeah. yeah. So Plus everyone else's. I was about maybe <laughs> maybe about seven years ago, There was uh, I had another broker I was working with. He was a little bit less experienced. We're doing commercial loans and and many of our clients were as well. And we were having trouble with that broker. And this guy who worked for a different company was the fix-it man. So I, when a deal blew up, I'd call him and say, please fix it. We need the client sorted. I need myself sorted. And uh, I don't know, he did probably like 20, 30 of these. And um, that other guy left the industry. And then I asked, oh, do you want to come over and join Rethink and, and, and run the show over there? And uh, yeah, I was surprised he said yes, because he was his own broker and did his own thing. And yeah, fast forward to 2023, he's done thousands of deals for clients. Um, yeah, one of the best commercial brokers in the country. He's, he does my six-month process of a, a refinance regularly, which... I, uh, I don't pity him to do that, but um. I could have probably imagined how complicated that is. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's he's sorted us uh, in tight situations. Even when I bought a house in Sydney and APRA changed the rules, I remember calling him at ten o'clock at night, going, "How much money am I going to lose? Am I totally stuffed here?" Um, and he found a way to fix it last minute, so that saved me from an embarrassment. Down to the wire, yeah, was yeah. hairy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a I did a podcast. Uh, uh, recently on the Smart Property Investment Show, which is part of the Property Investment Podcast Network, where you're tuning into this, uh, and uh, with Mark Burris, who is probably one of the most well-known sort of people around mortgages in Australia. We had this proper sort of, you know, we love broker moment um, where where he were, he were, what was he calling me? Sort of like national treasure. He was calling brokers a national treasure. <laughs> and I was sort of um, calling them um, critical infrastructure, which is sort of channeling this, this idea of, of what is required in order to continue to advance Australia and, and mortgage brokers, um, you know, write 70% of all loans now. It's, it's a huge amount. So, you know, critical infrastructure is a bit of a technical term, but, um, you know, they are the backbone of the bedrock in many ways of property markets in Australia and one of the great great reasons why Australia is a great place to be is that the health and uh, security uh, of our banking system and how that sort of interfaces with property and how most Australians hold their wealth in property. So uh, guys, guys and girls like you, Son, uh, you're there at the very heartbeat of this nation making sure Aussies can get mortgages so they can build their dreams, whether it's owned occupiers or property investor. But it's a tough market. So, it is. You know, it is. I really today want to talk to you about what is the current state of play, um, mm. mortgages specifically around uh, commercial uh, property? Uh, anything you're seeing that's working well? Any yep. sort of secret source that you hold tight and no one really knows about? I'm going to try and get that out of you. Mm. Uh, and just generally, what, like, 
Do you actually like mortgages? We do. I, I do <laughs> love it. Uh, if you know what I'm like, if you're a client of mine, like you can get me nearly at all hours of the of the day, except when I'm sleeping. Yeah. But um, brokers don't sleep. By the way. <laughs> Constantly thinking, even in my sleep. Yeah. Um, no, nah, but like I'll still be up after hours, put the kids to bed, and I'll be up tapping away, just working on some deals because you know all day I'll be on the phone. Mm talking to clients and then, uh, I'll, yeah, after hours I'll sit down and actually do some work, process, get my team to help me out with some things. Um, but, yeah, well, totally love it, totally enjoy it. I wouldn't be here doing it with uh, Scott if I didn't because mm. um, it's a full-on game uh, and commercial is a little bit trickier uh, and that's why I love it. You know, no two deals are the same. Uh, every client is different and it's about understanding your client, what is it they're trying to do and trying to navigate the policies of all the lenders, a lot of clients just see a rate and, oh, I want that rate. You know, well, yeah, but you can't go there for this reason because your situation is a bit unique or different and that lender's policy doesn't like that. Mm. You know, so it's 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 a game of like, you know, puzzling, just trying to put the pieces together. So so outside of a check, which is good when you get a deal done, that's how brokers get paid by the lenders. Um, yep. So w w where's the satisfaction for you? Is it getting a deal over the line, like winning? Is that the, 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 hey, I've got this one sorted? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, our first uh, contact, you speak to a client, you say, hey, Phil, or, you know, what's going on? Tell me about your situation. They tell you about your situation. They go, well, what are you trying to do? And then, right, you know, you, you start gathering all the information, you do your servicing, right, won't work here, you'll go over there. But then there might be something else with their situation that might be a bit of a hiccup. Um, and so, you know, when we've, finally get that right lender yep speak to other bankers we're happy to do the deal put it through and once you get that approval it's just like yay you know like you know that it's going to happen mm. so that's when satisfaction comes in because we know that we're going to help these clients get that property that they want so how tough is commercial lending at the moment it's tougher yeah. <laughs> than what it was 12 months ago it's always ago. been tough right it's never yeah easy. Oh, well no it was pretty good a year ago when yeah. rates were really low. Um, but definitely in the last 12 months, like all of our guys, uh, all the brokers, we've, you know, it's a lot of work in the last 12 months just trying to get the service because every month when you do servicing, it's valid for that month mm. because interest rates have gone up. Um, and when you speak to a lot of bankers who have had experience for 30 years in the industry, they're like, well, they've never seen it go up this fast so quickly. Yeah. Um, and every month we're just scrambling to like redo. So one minute we're saying, oh, you can do a million bucks. And then next month it's less and less and less and less. And then you get the double-edged sword of um, increases to uh, standard living. And so that was double-edged sword for us because now we have to increase uh, living expense measures. Uh, so that, that really hurt. Um, but we're still getting good wins right now mm. because uh, what you find when things are tough Prime lending, like major banks, et cetera, they got low LVRs, interest rates are good, but it doesn't let you help you get to the next uh, stage, which yeah. might be acquiring a property. Um, and so so we go to like your alternatives, your non-banks, whose policy is a little bit more generous uh, and they allow you to, you know, do the funding. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive, but you've got to look at it, you know, in, in the scheme of things, right? So we had a really, uh, and we're seeing it a lot right now, uh, clients purchasing last year. I have one client who we're actually doing right now, purchased for 2.1 in WA. Uh, the rate he got it at was about 4.6 at the time, which is still 2% higher because everything was around two something at the time. The reason why we took him there was because he wanted a higher LVR because he didn't quite have the funds to do the typical, you know, 65 or 70% LVR because yeah. anything above a million is typically, you know, 65, 70%.
he could, he could only do 75, right? So I've got a specialty lender, took him there, paid a 4.6. Now, fast forward to today, we've had, you know, 3.5% interest rate. So he's crying, right? He's at 8%. However, the good news is we've had a reval, right? I said, look, I think your property's gone up in value, right? The lease is stacking up. We can reval. He did. It is now worth 2.4, right? So it's gone up 300K in 12 months, mm. right? So for that incremental interest rate, yes, that he's paid, he's still ahead because if he's paid an extra 2% on a $1.5 million loan, yeah. that's 30000 yeah. right? But he hasn't paid 30000 in one year. It's just been for a rental for a period of time. It is tax deductible. But the, the big winner here is he's got that three hundred grand in growth, yeah. right? And that's timing the market rather than time in the market. It's good to get both right. But, um, yeah. uh, and it's cost to do in business, right? You that's know, right. You can either sit on the sidelines and, 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 and not play or you can get stuck in and, and – yeah, look, it might be expensive for periods of time. You, you talk about this sort of double-edged sword of um, um, the rapid speed in rate rises means that it's eroding people's serviceability. Yes. But uh, running a lockstep with that is is you know rising costs of living. So you're getting hit twice, right? Mm. I, I imagine for for you, Scott, that poses challenges because if you're having to rework pricing every single month. Um, uh, people want to move fast. If they're ready to buy, they're going to want to buy, right? But if you mm. can't find the right stock for them to buy, it's just eroding their ability to to buy at a particular level. So that's another layer of complexity put into it. You finding that a lot? Yeah. So as a buyer's agent, you've got to be very conservative mm. in this market. So if a client comes to us and says, my budget's $3 million, like we're generally finding properties at two to 2.5. Um, so you put a bit of fat in there at the front end. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, sometimes a client can push it. Like they might have a strong business behind them or, you know, they've always got a little bit of money they don't mention to you just as a buffer. Like, you, you know, you, you have a chat with them, you build a relationship with the client and you can plan that together. But yeah, it's generally not a market you go to the wire. You, you keep the buffers because valuations can be a bit more conservative. Um, banks can just randomly say, I'm going to offer you 5% lower LVR. Or like Son mentioned, the whole serviceability calculator is compromised at the moment. So uh, we have more deals crashing at mm. the moment. That's um, that's our biggest negative. As a result of finance. Correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. many different types of finance issues. Like I'd say valuations are part of finance. Um the LVR issue and um, even just the, the delays with the banks are so slow at the moment. So you, you miss deadlines. Uh, mm. So there's a bit of that going on and that's all contributing to the market being weaker than it was last year, which you can see it. The prices are, you know, probably about 75 basis points better on a yield. So I mentioned that last time. If it was a 6% yield last year, you're probably buying that property at a 6.75 net yield. So there is a advantage on the yield day one because of all this. Yeah. Finance has caused it. And the sentiment's still good. Like the buyers are there. They're actually getting held back by finance, not sentiment. And I sort of spoke about this, people that, you know, don't need mortgages. They're, they're, they're still out there hustling hard, right? They're not – they're not. so they're able to move a lot more nimbly and decisively, right, because they're just cash buyers. Correct. Yeah. And that was the little gripe I had last week. We're just seeing the cash buyers have ignored the market. A lot of I'm, – I'm generalizing, but there's some that are just paying way too much mm. for assets just because they're parking money up. They're skipping the whole finance process. Uh, agents love them because they're they're literally it's just money for jam. Really, it's just buy it, no DD or very little, no finance, no valuer, just buy it. And um, yeah, unfortunately, we don't play those types of rules because we got we want finance. Like you need finance to maximise your cash on cash return. So even if you've got a hundred million dollars in the bank, you'd still 
get a hundred million dollar loan mm. on top by two hundred million. So, well, and and that's you know that hundred million in cash, right? Like you pay that out, but if you've got that uh, in, in debt, it's all tax deductible, right? So, yep. uh, this is when you need a really good accountant, yep. uh, which we spoke about getting an accountant in our VR, and we we've done that. Um, so, Son, um, how slow are the banks at the moment? Uh, it depends on which bank you talk to. <laughs> lent, lent, lent. Okay, let's split it between sort of the big four or five. We'll include Macquarie with that. So yeah, yeah. So, so Westpac, St George, ANZ. Sorry, Westpac, um, Westpac, CBA, ANZ, NAB, yeah. and Macquarie. Major the majors. Yeah. So it all comes do down deals. to yeah, they, they all want to do deals. Mm. Everyone, you know, the, the interesting thing is everyone's slowed down, and so they they do want deals. Uh, we're getting bankers calling us left, right, and centre saying oh, they're we, calling up saying oh yeah yeah because they know we write, and yeah. so they're just like oh, I haven't seen a deal from you for a while. So they, in, in a way, they're they're reaching out to they us. They kick an incentive your way to pass on to to, to clients by way of a trading yeah, business. So, you see it in the resi space. You yeah, see it in correct. The so in the commercial yeah. space, uh, look, you know, because we're big writers, we we do a lot of write uh, with certain lenders. Because uh, of their policy or whatever, they they come to the party with rate. So what you'll find in, in the industry on average, you're probably looking around six point seven for a commercial deal, but we're still able to secure probably a low six, okay, and even maybe a high five if we're lucky with the majors. With the majors, at, right? at what sort of debt sort of rate is it? it yeah, so it big all, numbers. Yeah, nah, you're probably looking around sixty five something like that. Okay, for, for for I guess or even a sixty for a five in front. Yeah. But it's all to do with the risk profile of the client um, and, and the, the property itself. So they look at the client, which I call the sponsor. Uh, they check that all out. And then your LVRs, the location, you know, the asset, the lease, all of that. And if they're happy with it, you know, they can give you better pricing. Sometimes some lenders are aggressive because they're bit priced on the market in the last campaign or something and they've lost a lot of business to, let's call it NAB. And, and so they, they come in with a promo, you know, uh, to, 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 to get some of that business back. So uh, we've already been told by one lender that they're coming out with another promo soon. And, and some of those promos might be, for example, there's no no establishment fees. Correct. Right, which could be thousands of dollars, right? Correct. That's an easy so, thing for them just to write off. Yeah. So we've got uh, one lender at the moment. Well, actually, a few now. So one lender's probably come out saying, yep, no stab fee up to a certain amount, uh, no valuation fee up to $5,000. It's a great proposition. You know, saves thousands of dollars for our clients. It doesn't suit every deal, though. Uh, but if it fits, you know, you've got that. And then because of that, you've got other lenders who haven't publicly said we're going to waive this step fee, but to win the business, they're willing to waive it, right? Whether but, that's but they wait for you to ask, do they? Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, we encourage clients if they are going directly to a lender to negotiate those uh, fees. Mm. But every deal we do, we, we ask the banker, hey, can you give us something on this? And, and we usually – put two banks together. Mm. So we'll go out to the general market. If it's, you know, a $5 million deal, whatever it is, you know, we'll go, right. You know, we, we, we send it to all of our bankers in the top four and we say, hey, you know, this is the deal. And we just kind of knock them all out. And the last two standing, I kind of peg them at each other. Oh, this guy's doing that. So you create competitive that. tension, right? Correct. Yeah, Do correct. they know who they're bidding against normally? Or you uh, yeah, I, I tell they them. Know. I tell yeah. them because uh, we have a good relationship. Uh, and the bankers know at the end of the day, look, we do what we do for our clients. Mm. Um, it's not like, oh, you know, uh, I hate using you or whatever, and I'm just using you to, to, to win deal over here. We write deals. You don't need everyone. to like your banker. Let's be fair. <laughs> well, no, no, we love our bankers because yeah. they they give us love, and it's, it's the only way to do business. And, yeah. and this goes to the the I guess the the cloud of a mortgage broker, right? Um, if you're just going singular directly to, I wouldn't even know how you get a 
commercial loan from a bank branch. Like you walk in there and say, oh, can I have a commercial loan? They're going to go, don't know what to do, right? So, um, uh, but like what sort of level of relationships you have at at these sort of these banks? Is it a business bank, I would imagine? Yeah, You've got senior people who who are decision makers. They've got delegated authority to actually get deals done. Yeah. Yeah. So so, uh, certain banks have like a premium space. Mm. So you've got premium brokers uh, for the commercial space and they give you a bit more love and attention. Uh, more resources behind it, and they answer your calls a lot quicker. They come to you like so. We we uh, you know put a deal in front of them. We expect like you know an answer, hopefully that day. Yeah. Um, and if you if you're a broker who doesn't really roll a commercial, you, you don't get premium banking sort of. You get stuck in the queue. Yeah, you get stuck in the queue, and it's a bit longer. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it, it the bankers are very critical to to, to us uh, in our relationship. So if we get you know, a banker that we're not happy with, I'll make it known mm. that, look, we're not getting the attention or the, you know, the emails coming back to in a timely manner. Can we please speak to someone else? Yeah. yeah. And all you want from them is is speedy responsiveness to support your clients. You know, you don't Correct. want them to send you a bottle of whiskey at Christmas saying no. thanks for your business, right? It's a bit <laughs> old. Or Christmas ham, right? That's right. You know? Yeah, we just want a quick sort of high-level answer. Yeah. So we normally send the deal saying, hey, these are the parameters. What do you think? Yes, we're happy with 65, 70, whatever it may be. Mm. Great. Tick. You know, and then we go speak to our client. This is what we kind of have. Yes. All right. Let's get moving. Provide me documents, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, we find the answer. I'll put you on the spot. Who's, who's the best bank to deal with at the moment? Ooh, good question. Recording this uh, <laughs> very late in March. Oh, look. Yeah. We know all the banks are okay. So. <laughs> you send just your email to Scott, info at rethinkinvesting.com. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I hope they're not listening. Nah, <laughs> no worry, they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess it really depends on what we're trying to do, mm. but we, we love Westpac at the moment for our lease stock products. Okay. I was um, going to ask about lease stocks, but anyway, we'll get to yeah, that in a moment. Yeah, because that is just a very quick, simple, easy uh, solution we can ignore a lot of the client's personal position uh, and we can just get the deal done. Mm. Westpac's always like least stock type stuff, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I personal opinions, I think they're the leaders in it at the yeah. moment. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Westpac is a free plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> we do have other lenders who say, oh, we're coming out with, you know, a really good pure least stock product. Okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, till what's you the easiest out? business to write at the moment? Like at what level? Like dollar wise? So let's say 60, 65 LVR, so good, safe business. To be honest, yeah. I, I actually think a non-bank is better Okay. in terms of getting the deal done. Cause, uh, quickly or getting a deal, just, just getting, getting it done. done. Getting yeah, it done. Okay. So quickly, no. So the non-banks we use is like a full doc, yep. but their policies with servicing is really good. Uh, you know, assessment rates, right, is mm. a big problem. Resi, you've got 3% assessment rates, right? Commercial is a bit lower. Um and what you're finding in this environment too is uh, this is why we think the environment is getting better because, um, you know, buffer rates for commercial are coming down. Can you explain what a buffer rate is? Yeah, sure. So so when a client goes for a loan, they take the base rate. So the base rate is called 6%. They'll add on 3% in the resi world. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at a 9% assessment. Yeah. So that loan now has to be, call it a million bucks, has to be assessed at 9%, which is 90,000 bucks interest only. Does their income cover that, right? Uh, but in the commercial space, uh, Westpac as an example, uh, they recently reduced it from one point five to one percent. A buffer, buffer, right? So, so that's that's two percent different than hundred percent. And and what's their logic for that? Well, they've also got an ICR coverage, yep. right? And so this ICR, let's call it two times. You better means, explain what ICR is. Yeah, so ICR is interest cover uh, ratio. So let's call it two. 
your rents that you receive has to cover their interest at two times, right? Yeah. So that's also come down. So with all these interest rate rises that we've had, they've had that buffer in place, right? Mm. But now we're at peak and they see it changing and coming down or there's no more interest rate rises and that's why they've pulled it back. So the interest cover ratio was higher. It's down to 1.5 and they've reduced their buffer rate from 1.5 to 1. Yeah. So that's a good sign that we're seeing that we believe that we're at peak yep. and things are just going to improve now. So that's helped us with lease stocks go from 50% LVR up to 60, 65, if we can get the right yield on the property. So um, that buffer rate is very different. I, I, I take the logic around the, the reason why they had the buffer in there was that they needed to be assessing people's ability to repay the debt when interest rates went up from all-time lows, right? That, Correct. That's smart business, right? Mm. One of the criticisms at the residential side is that, and APRA, who's the prudential regulator, um, has come out saying, no, nah, we're keeping it at three, right? Yeah. So people are getting assessed at 10%. Yeah, some people ten percent, nine to ten percent, right? So, so why, why is it less in commercial? Does does the APRA because it's sort of more commercially orientated? Does APRA's influence um, not be as significant when it comes to commercial interest rates? Yeah, good question. Difference is Resi is regulated. Yep, commercial is not regulated. Exactly. Well, what, what I wanted you to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, explain that. Yeah, so I guess. Um, uh, you know, NCCP, responsible lending, uh, we have a responsibility to make sure the client can service, yep. which means we have to look at everything, right? But because it's not regulated, we don't have that. There is still responsible lending though. So so the banks, they still have- Non-regulated doesn't mean bad or dodgy, right? Correct. Yeah. Just, I guess, a bit a, a bit more loose or, uh, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're happy to, you know, play in the gray a bit um, if it makes sense. So again, like, just because it's uh, not regulated and they don't have a full look at it, uh, there are still responsible uh, lending mechanisms behind the scenes. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's a bit more loose, I guess. Yeah. Um, and what you find is, uh, you know, you've got things like, you know, setting it up in that SPV, special purchase vehicle, uh, because it's technically a separate entity, you know, we can ignore, you know, personal debts. Mm. Um, we're going to have to look at that sort of I guess it's this, this baseline philosophy because um, uh, more Australians obviously invest in residential property, owner-occupier, for example, or, or, or property investment, uh, whereas commercials deemed to be a little bit more sophisticated. So, you know, within residential, they put training wheels on everyone because people make bad decisions mm. sometimes mm. and therefore uh, the regulator needs to regulate for the masses. But um, I guess with the commercial property, the idea is that, well, if you actually want to go into commercial property, you you need to probably have um, a more sophisticated commercial nous around you and therefore you should be absorbing some of the responsibilities, much of the responsibilities around decision-making. Whereas mm. uh, in residential property, uh, often people don't know what they're doing and mm. there's been some horror stories around it. So I get it, right? So yeah, if you want to play in a commercial space and what you present to the lender is, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Lender, I can afford to pay this and here's my financial because that's what I've presented. You've got to be responsible for the delivery of that. Mm. But people blow their day. Oh, look, in, yeah. In, in commercial, they, they get loans they probably shouldn't be taking on. And you've got to cop it in commercial. Mm. You can't sort of go, oh, it's not my fault. Yeah. Dodgy broker told me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do find that, uh, yeah, the clients in the commercial space, they are a bit more savvy. Yeah. Um, when we run credit files, they're all squeaky clean, yeah. you know, no one bad credit. They're just a better sort of a credit client, I'd say. Yeah. 
Um, but they take responsibility for their own credit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to go back on that point about, you know, 3% APRA, mm. uh, and this is why we love non-banks, right? Because they're not regulated by APRA. I mean, ASIC's still involved and there is still responsible lending, but they, their rules can be a little bit different. Mm. We've got one, you know, non-bank lender who doesn't have a 3% assessment rate. They've got 1% now. Resi. Resi. Okay. They had 2% and now it's down to 1%. Are you the name? Right. <laughs> okay, Liberty. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so they've recently come to the market with that. Uh, existing debt is at OFI, which means, you know, uh, existing uh, repayments at actuals. Yeah. Okay. So that is a good solution for people who are coming off a fixed rate, let's call it, right, from 2 to 6% P&I, and their repayments are triple, right? Yeah. We can potentially refinance it to a new IO term, even though the rate is, let's call it 6 or 7% yeah. currently, you'll find that cash flow-wise is still better off. So it's a temporary measure to just get through this period, this period of, time. of time. And then in time, you know, when rates come down, which yeah. we, we expect to come down in the next 12 months anyway, hopefully we can go back to a prime lending. And, and what, you, what you've got there is exactly what a smart broker would do for you. They actually understand, you know, maybe those those challenges. And a lot of people have been talking about this, what they call it, mortgage prison, right? Mm-hmm. Where And and it's what you just spoke to uh, there, Son, which is um, uh, I'm coming off a fixed rate at 2 point something percent onto a variable rate. I'm going to be paying six point something percent. I can't afford it. I want to refinance my loan, but I can't refinance it because I take it to another lender and my serviceability is not going to allow me to take on the debt and I can't refinance with the bank that I am currently with because Mm. my serviceability won't allow me to take on that amount of debt. But so as long as you're still able to pay your interest repayments, Mm. the bank will be okay with it, right? So you get locked. So Mm. what you're talking about there is actual solutions. Correct. but, you know, there's this idea that non-bank lenders are inherently more risky. You're saying they're unregulated. Um, what do you say to that? Uh, look, I wouldn't say it's uh, riskier mm. um, because lending is lending. They're lending you money. It's securitized lending. So they're lending you based on the fact that they hold that asset. Um, and GFC wasn't a classic example. Mm. Uh, when the GFC happened, you know, 15 years ago, uh, there were some non-bank lenders that went belly up, but people don't lose their homes. They continue to pay. What normally happens, trustee steps in. Um, and you'll find the major banks will gobble up that book. They just buy the book. They so buy the book. It's going to be technical there, but essentially one bank buys the other person's Correct. debt. So they buy that, I guess, securitized yeah. debt, um, and then you essentially start paying back the mortgage to, let's call it CBA, because they bought that yeah. non-bank lender's book. You'll find the interest rate will probably go up a bit because the banks will charge a bit of a premium because they just spent money to buy that book, mm. right? So I wouldn't say it's riskier. Right, because it is securitized lending. Yeah, and I think if you're sort of intrigued by that sort of stuff, is it called the Big Short? Is that that the um, movie yeah. around the GFC? Yeah, and it gives you a sense for sort of this grouping of mortgages and mm. grouping of risk, where they say you know sixty percent of it is really good people, yeah, twenty percent of it is a little bit sort of oh how's it going, and then ten percent of it is really really crap, but mm. you make the most money off that stuff. So yeah, this is how mortgages work. It's a, it's a bit um, but the difference is, I guess, Australia much much more regulated. We are because of. APRA yeah. uh, and what we've just spoken That's about. That's right. You know, yeah. The inherent strength of our banks, what I was chatting about at the start of this Correct. podcast, is the fact that they're pretty well regulated. That's right. Um, and you're not going to – well, hasn't happened. You're not going to get a run on the major banks in Australia. Mm. Right? You know, Their asset allocation is pretty good. Even how much money they need to keep in cash versus mm. what debt right. they have out there Capital is another reserves. really strong 
Um, maybe we should do a thing on this one day if people are interested on on how it all works. But you, you spoke about lease stock loans. Um, mm. uh, I hear a lot of people are sort of a bit jittery at the moment around lease stocks purely because of um, the ability for valuations on on commercial property to to stack up mm-hmm. because you know interest rates have gone up, blah 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 blah. Um, they're inherently uh, devalued um, commercial properties. Is that false? True. Oh, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, all the deals that we've been doing, um, you know, more times than not, they do come in on point. Okay. Uh, you will get- So they're coming up at valuation- As purchase p- price. At purchase price. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you will see from time to time, it is a bit slightly lower than what the purchase price is compared to resi. Resi is usually, you know, purchase price is the val. Yeah. Uh, commercial is, you know, you will see the time to time a bit lower. Can you explain how the banks value up so the lease stock loan, how a bank actually values up the inherent value of a property based on the lease? Yeah, so I guess they look at um, the lease, what the what it brings in. Uh, they've got their cap rates and everything like that. Uh, so they look at the location, who the tenant is, longevity of it. Um, so there's all these measures that they put in place for it. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, it's the valuer that's doing it, not the bank. Mm. Um, but the, the banks do instruct the valuers what they're looking for, um, and then they go out and do their comparisons, et cetera. So, so simplicity in a simple way, because I'm a simple guy, um, they just go, how much rent is this thing generating? Who is the tenant? How effectively they pay their rent and for how long have they been paying it and for how long into the future based on the lease? And they go, yeah, this can pretty much yeah, there's a few data wash, points. It, wash its own face. Yeah. Therefore, we're happy to lend against it. That's a lease stock loan. Yeah. So it means you don't have to provide all your other stuff. They just do it in isolation. Correct. So as long as the rent, as long as it's considered as market, mm. right? because sometimes the passing rent is what they're currently getting, is a bit too high than the market. That's where the valve might come down a bit. Yeah. But let's say it's the same. Uh, yes, and if it covers the ICR metric with buffering, it's a done deal. Mm. Can ignore everything else. You got to be really careful with this because, um, and and you must see this all the time, Scott. And, and when you're doing your assessments, that the face rent might sound really good, but it's incentivized up the yin yang, yeah. and what you're actually getting in your bank account is something very different. And you'll see it whenever you're in a lease, commercial lease negotiation. It'll be negotiated around. Oh, this is the this is the rent, and then we'll give you this stuff on the side. Yeah, um, but. This is let's let's make this a number, and they do that for valuations, right? Correct. So the first thing we look at whenever we look at a deal is the rent. Mm. So you, we've got big databases at Rethink Investing because we see hundreds and hundreds of valuations. So we just pretty much save them all, and so we've got our own data points. So if we're looking at a retail shop in I don't know Adelaide, we know roughly what the rate should be, and we've got all the comparables per square meter. Yeah, and yeah. we know what the incentives are needed. Uh, one of the accounting tricks or it's not even a trick it's just what they all do that the big funds do especially in the office market is they do very high incentives lift the face rent you know it can be 30 to 40 percent of the entire rent and it's almost like if you take that out there's less income there really so they do that to kind of help with the capital value of Mm -hmm. the asset it helps the book value which obviously helps paying out investors and this is why a lot of people think there's a bit of risk in some of these funds at the moment because the value, they often do like an annual review and they need to uh, get the val up and then they pull out equity and they use that to pay the investors. That's a problem when you're buying a, like let's say your investor needs to get a 7% return and they've bought a tower at a 4% yield. So they're using 3% growth just to top up the investors. So that's risky stuff. 3% growth in the capital value to extract that out to pay the investors down. Yeah, you in, sit there and just go, it's house of cards. Yeah, in cash flow. So imagine flow. it doesn't grow for a while. Mm. And then where are you going to get that extra funds from? So 
what they're doing at the moment is selling. So mm. we're seeing funds, uh, they're a hot, they're, it's almost a two-speed market. Your individual investors like us are aggressive. We're seeing value. We're seeing prices still rising. That's, you know, call it under 10 million. And above that, funds are not buying and they're not buying from each other at the same rate. They're actually selling. So we're that's how they're getting their equity, selling off their kind of cheaper assets, their ones they don't want. Um, so uh, you're going to see lower growth in that level of building versus the cheaper stuff because mm. the demand is just different. And that's caused from, I guess, the differences in, I guess, the yields. Uh, and yeah, the valuations aren't going to be going up as quick. Uh, they're relying on rental growth. So that some of the industrial funds are going to do quite well. Office funds, not so much. Retail is going to be in between those two. And it's a fascinating space. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to rely on rates to drop to to get the returns for their investors. Some of these highly leveraged funds. Yeah, and and on that basis, Son, would you, if you can do a traditional vanilla loan rather than a lease stock loan, would you go that way as a recommendation over lease stock? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So yeah. it so is the lease stock the the loan of last resort? Kind of, kind yeah. of. Um, so every client that we get. We always ask them, we need to understand their situation. Mm. It's our responsibility as a broker, I guess. So we, 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 we talk to them, understand their full financial position, and we see if we can do like a full doc sort of loan. If we can't, then lease doc, all right? Um, you, you'll find that you can do full doc probably most of the time, but again, that's going to like a non-bank where the interest yeah. rates will be higher, but you'll get your, your 70s, 75, 80%, whatever. Um, mm. But, you know, the ones that want just oh, want a good rate, okay, 65, 60. But, yeah, we, we do look at full dock as a first option if possible. Yeah. Some clients come to us saying, look, I've got too much stuff, too complicated. I just want simple lease dock. I've I just got can't cash. be bothered doing it. Can't just, be bothered. Yeah. i got one like just, just yesterday, just you wrote to me, oh, I've got 1.3 ready to go and I don't want to be put through the ringer. What's my lease dock option? And I just told him what it was, right? So What's go, the rate you get? Uh, low six. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not bad. What sort of asset is this person buying? Ah, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it up the to the Scott investing guys. Yeah, yeah, to find him something. But I've I've given uh, the parameters of what they could go for, mm. assuming that interest rates don't go up again. Uh, but if there is, there's a bit of buffer in it. Who's buying commercial property at the moment? Everyone. Just generalize. All right. Yeah. So and we're talking about not the big funds and stuff. We're talking about. Yeah, punters yeah, like us. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So look, mums and dads are probably slowed down a little bit. Mm. Mums and dads are PAYG. Um, they're probably hurting a little bit. Um, the ones where we're still seeing good, strong um, demand is is trading businesses. So people okay. who run, you know, a small business, good net profit, um, servicing is not a problem. Okay. So they're still willing to buy because they're cashed up, just like what Scott said. Mm. They want to park some money somewhere. So they're taking it out of business profit parking property. Oh, just they've got net profits. They've got net profits. Net profits. Uh, and they've just built up that net profit over time. It's just sitting in a bank account. Mm. You know, they've got $4 million, $3 million ready to go. So there's some people out there cashed up. Um, again, not general everyone, but yeah. they're the probably ones that are really strong at the moment mm. um, and not an issue with funding. Um, the, the mums and dads are still wanting to buy. We're still being able to place them, but it's a bit of a trickier conversation because they're worried about rate. And, you know, I keep saying to, to these investors, look, you got to look at the long-term picture. Whilst the interest rate is high now, you're going to get that growth on it, just like that client of mine last 12 months, 2.1, 2.4 now. Because of that spread, we can now go back to a lease stock and get him the low six. And so now I can save him that 2%. 
So he's not taking on any more debt. He's he just, just wants to refinance, just refinance it out at a higher LVR Correct. and therefore get a more mainstream lender. Correct. Yeah. So he's going to save some money now. So, so the good thing is, look, we got him in because he didn't have the funds at the point in time. Yeah. Properties, 12 months later, property's growing in value. You've got that equity. The LVR is lower. We've done the vow. We can refinance this as a lease stock. Good mm -hmm. yield. Away you go. He's happy as Larry. You know, because he it, bought a good asset. Does it take a lot more time, energy, and effort because you're a full doc with a major lender who's going to have to bear his soul, right, and give everything to get all that sort of stuff? Is is is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Uh, yeah. So, look, it is a lot of work for us, mm. but it's a satisfaction, I guess, at the end of the day because we know that client's going to be client for life, yeah. right? They're going to always come back to us and we always do their lending. So there's always potential out of it. Sometimes right now as well, some of our guys, we're doing a lot of work. We're just pulling out equity, yeah. ready to go for the next purchase. So, you know, resi loan, collecting all docs, go through a whole process, pull out a million bucks, sits in offset. Guess what? We get paid zilch, mm. right? Net of offset. They change the rules. Brokers get nothing. So when our guys tell our clients, oh, you know, pull out a million bucks and they think we're getting paid for it, no, we don't, right? Until they use it later, right? So we're parking it ready because we know that when they do come back in time, We'll get paid, whatever, and we'll do the commercial loan, et cetera. But the funny thing is some of these specialized non-bank lenders, they don't want you to be on their books for a long time. They want you to get in, they make their money, and they you get out. So it's like a half halfway house, a stepping stone. Mm. Solution, go and back they, to And, they, and they're, they're conscious of that, and they build their business around that idea. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, answer is why I pay a few more bucks on the way in establishment right. fees and because they know no one's stuff. doing you know up seventy five percent above a mill. Let's say there's yeah. only a handful, right? So they know that they know the market, they know where they sit, so they they're, they're prepared to pay a little bit, uh, charge a little bit more, yeah. and clients yeah you know, happy to do that as well. What's their arrears like on on those sort of deals? Are they they sort of standing up? People paying their loans back? Yeah, yeah. people paying their loans back. You find interesting as well at like Lodoc. Yeah, um, yeah, the Lodoc arrears. Is typically lower than a full doc. Okay. Right, and that's funny because low doc, you're not really looking at everything. Yeah. So it's an interesting beast. But and is it people who have low docs are maybe a little bit more financially? Again, savvy. yeah, they, they 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 know what they've got to do when they meet their that's commitments, right? right? Because they're business owners. Yeah. Their, their livelihoods are behind the business, mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that at the end of the day they can still trade, right? Because at the end of the day, if they don't pay their bills, they can't get funding. Everything falls apart. Yeah. So you find that low doc sort of customers, they are generally very good at repayments, even though it's slightly higher. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's cost of doing business, right? That's right. You know, if you want to spend the time, energy, and effort to get a full doc, it might be faster to just go low doc and cop a little bit more. And then uh, refinance on, on, on it later, the, yeah. On, on, on the refinance later on when you sort your stuff out. Like, mm, that makes sense. 100%. Or group it, right? Like, you know, rather than sort of doing a individual loan every sort of two or three months, which is painstaking, you mm. know, you can – Club up, I'm not providing any financial advice here, by the way, but you can club up a number of um, uh, sort of low docs with with non-banks and then when you get your financials ready, you can just refinance them all at the same time, right? That's mm. that's smart business. Yeah. It makes your job easier. So we've sort of been chatting about loans, mainly probably I'd say outside of self-managed super. How is it inside of uh, SMSFs now? There's more lenders back doing commercial stuff in self-managed super? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting Piece. There's not, um, many, not, not many operate there, right? Yeah, not many. We've seen more non-banks come to the party. Mm. The banks are all kind of said no. Um, there's a couple of tier twos that do it. 
Um, well, why don't the banks? It's pretty safe business. Yeah, I know. So it's I, interesting, I, I right? I never really understood it. I know. So I think uh, their books are quite full from years ago when they did first they get hard. into it. They went yeah. hard, and I think their books are a bit full. And I think it's all got to do with um, the whole LRBA, you know, um, limited recourse borrowing. So, yeah, I, I don't know why they're right now they're not coming back. Because I ask my bankers all the time, it's like, you guys got to get back into it. But the interesting thing is, if you are a you know private bank sort of client or high net worth client, they will still do it for them, mm. right? Because you've got a big portfolio with them. It's just they, they don't want you going somewhere else. Exactly, right? they'll, yeah. they'll they'll do it, right? Yeah. But it's not generally open to the public, mm. right? Um, but the SMSF space is really interesting because you know it is a trillion dollar industry, right? Everyone's getting their ten point five percent, and it's going to increase to eleven percent next year. So there's a lot of inflows to super, yeah. right? Uh, and we all love property. You know, if you look at the rich list in Australia, m- most of them have made their wealth from property, right? So, uh, and it's an easier sort of uh, proposition mm. inside super because inside super, we don't have to worry about your living expense because it's inside the super fund, right? All we're looking at is the contributions coming in because that's your income to the fund yeah. and anything going out, which is generally running of the fund, which would be nothing if you've got nothing in there, mm. just cash fund. Um, and then just the property that you're buying. Right, and the rent received there. So, in terms of serviceability, it's really easy to do. Right, it is. It's just restrictive, though. Like I like investing inside of super, but you, you put too much in. You never know what the next government's going to do. Right, like they're already sort of rattling their sabers around super balances. You mm. just never know. Right, That's right. You know, the idea of super is it's, it's not. Well, I think philosophically when it was introduced, it wasn't a mechanism for the rich to get richer. It was about protecting all Australians or giving them a, a ways and a means to have a better retirement so they weren't sucking mm. on the teat of the of, of the government, right? You know, <laughs> for a pension, pace. right? And yeah. that, that's cool, you know, and, and I don't want to get political on that. I get all that. Um, but it's restrictive. If you're holding assets inside his super, it, it's, it's, you know, you can't do a lot of value-add exercises. You can't, like, you can't, Positively maneuver and manipulate yeah. your wealth creation in it. It's it's a lot more stifled, yeah, but that's is. okay mm. from a minimization of risk, right? And your accountant can help you with those decisions. Yeah, so I guess like outside of super, we can always leverage off the equity mm. uh, inside super. You can't do that. Yeah. So it's literally buy one asset and, and you know pay it down essentially, or, or have interest only. Yeah. If you do pay down some of the debt, you can't actually redraw it back out. No. Um, and so for the clients that we have that want to buy multiple properties inside the super, we just say, look, structure it as interest only without giving financial advice here. Uh, you know, you could put on interest only, um, free up your cash flow. So then more of that contribution and rent is just going into the account. Yeah. And then when that's come to a big- Do something else with it. Yeah, we can buy another property. Yeah. And that's sort of advice, that's just one strategy that some people do. That's right. You know, or we say, look, you can chuck everything into that one, pay it off. And then if you want, you can sell it. You know the tax on it is quite um, yeah. is quite uh, I guess nice compared to you know outside because you know super is the most tax effective vehicle in Australia, yeah. um, and so yeah they, they sell it and then they could divvy that up to two deposits and then buy two. Yeah. I guess is where so you are also is not advice is where you are on your superannuation journey. You know, yes. it's no use generating really good cash returns inside of your super fund if you can't access it. Mm. Right, you got to do something with it. You got to chuck it in the share market. Maybe that's not the best idea at the moment. Maybe not so, right now. <laughs> who, who knows? But um. Uh, one of these myths that you can't have an offset inside of your super. Mm. You can get it. You can. You yeah. can. So, look. It's so there's a, one way you can use cash. Correct. So, there are certain lenders that have an offset account, mm. right? Not all. 
uh, it's an interesting argument because you there do is, a resi and commercial. You can offset yeah, correct. commercial. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are some commercial lenders that off the offset. Again, it's a bit technical because I don't know how some lenders get around legislation around it. Okay. But that's a, that's a different we won't argument. name any lenders then on we that. Won't. I was going to ask you who's doing <laughs> it, but I wish I could offset. I've, yeah, we've I've got, got a couple do, that yeah. do it. So, anyways, um, yeah, we can do that as a strategy. So we can refinance whatever. I've got a client that's on eight point six. I'm going to get them down to six point eight. Yeah. Uh, and they still got like heaps in their super. We could put that on an offset and then saves them even more. And then when they're ready, we can take it by another one, mm. whatever. So, yes, yeah, some lenders offer it, but it doesn't mean we could always go there as well. This is more of a, I guess, a, a long-term strategy question. And, and myself and Scott spoke about it at length the last couple of times we got together. Um, commercial property today doesn't stack up as favorably as what it did a year ago. That's mm-hmm. fact, right? If you're a leveraged um, investor, i.e. you have a mortgage, so your returns aren't as good. Um, mm. That doesn't necessarily mean because most people are at a 65 70% LVR that people are going to negative territory. Your view, is this just a moment in time? Talk to me about the sort of inherent value of commercial property sure. in this market. Yeah, look, definitely a snapshot in time. Mm. Um, commercial property typically is you know positively geared. Uh, those clients that do you know, 65% LVR and if it is 35% cash, whatever, they are still positive today. Right, even if the rate is at eight percent, right? That's generalizing. That's generalizing. Yeah. Uh, we do have a lot of clients. Depends who, how your asset performs, right? You, yeah, yeah. So I'm just looking at, uh, I guess, yield yep. in terms of yeah. uh, the rent received if it covers uh, the cost of holding. Um, and what you find is and this is why we love commercial, right? You've got in the leases, you got built in, you know, three uh, or four percent fixed or CPI, whichever is higher. CPI is good at the moment, hundred <laughs> percent. And so those clients, I think I've, I've got CPI as a yeah. yeah. So yeah. some of those clients that are, you know, got that option, they're exercising it right now, and and that's why we've seen lately these yields have come back up. Yeah. So we're doing a few deals above seven. That's people seven. exercising the increase in rent. So Correct. it's a structured increase in rent. 100%. At, you know, every year you Anniversary. push it up 7% yep. at the moment, right? Correct. Uh, that's a big chunk. Mm. So these existing yeah. leases, they've got three years running on it. They're one year in. Hey, it's time to renew. Hey, CPI, boom, increase 7%. And that's part of the inc- increased cost of operating for businesses in Australia if they're Leases are going up by seventy percent. Yeah, seven percent. So, so, so the long term view is, you know, with these built increases, you'll mm. see that the the positive cash flow will come back. We believe interest rates are at peak, and they will start to come down. Who's we believe? Is, uh, that, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> I guess a <laughs> we lot. Believe. Of, a lot of the cohorts co- cohorts in our uh, industry. I guess I, I, I tend to, to agree with you. By the way, yeah. I, I think I think we're. Pretty much terminal now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we're pretty much terminal. And again, it's it's seeing what the lenders are doing mm. with policy. We know that they they kind of they they what, believe what are fixed rates end. looking like at the moment? Uh, fixed rates they're not too bad, and that's another indication of why we think we're at peak. Because uh, rewind the clock twelve months ago, when you've got um, rates all of a sudden fixed rates are now at five percent, and when variable was still at two or three. That's a big sign that hey they they expect massive you know increase, mm. but right now we're finding variable and fixed rates are becoming almost on par, okay. um, and I've even seen on the resi side I've seen one lender put a lower fixed rate than what the variable was, two year three year uh, that was only one a one year. year. One year. So one year. I was looking at it, I was like, well okay so even that's kind of like saying well they probably think it's going to come down as well yeah you know so so yeah look um, if the clients want certainty around repayments fix fix it if you like but. You know, we, we we think it's going to come down. So, you know, run the gauntlet, I think, just put on variable. There you go. Well, you certainly know about mortgages, Scott. 
Yeah, Mr. Fixer. <laughs> Mr. Fixer. <laughs> that's what he does. He's a fixer. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Christopher Pine was back in the day. He was a fixer. He fixes things. He was, uh, he was, um, his last job was uh, Minister of Defence, but he was well known for fixing things. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he fixed stuff. Can most things be fixed if you get onto it early enough? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Look, yeah. solutions are there. Uh, you know, we haven't even touched on like fully private lending, mm. right? Private lending is like LVR where you go, no servicing required, right? So, so private lending is where the bank just goes, yeah, we want this person. Let's just give them a big, big uh, line of credit. Correct. It's yeah. all asset based, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. saying you've got a million dollar asset. Mm. No worries. Here's sixty percent value. I won't do servicing. Won't run credit checks. Nothing. Yeah. Here's your money, because at the end of the day, you know, if it all goes pear shaped. They just sell, take the asset and sell yeah, it, yeah. get their money. So and that's yeah. what I've. The last couple of deals I've had have been that, and they've been very different from everything else I've done previously. The banker actually really wants to know the plan of the asset. Like, what are you going to do with like value adds, and where's the upside? Like, how long do you want to hold for it? Like, it's really they're kind of like in the journey with you, which I've never so, had before. So, private banks more active in this environment? Do you think? Like, how, how do you get? How do you get into a private bank? Like, what do you got to? What are you going to be or do or? It's really just um, LVR, yeah. really. So, so when when you know, I've been in this game for a while now, and what we see is when times start to get tough, mm. people move away from prime lending because it's too hard. Get into more than non banks, you know. And it's then, too hard, as in it's just it's onerous to do it. Oh and no, it's restrictive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the process is still the same. Yeah, still got to provide all the docs. It's it's hard in terms of yeah because where interest rates are. Mm. You know, everything's moved so fast. People's wages haven't increased, cost of living. So all these pressures have made it harder to get yeah. prime lending. Um, but for those you know, deals where, you know, even I couldn't take it to a non-bank because servicing or something is an issue, yeah. but the client's got like, you know, a million dollars or something like that, and they really want this asset, they have to have it for whatever reason, private bank's your option, private, because private, they don't look at anything, mm -hmm. right? They just go, well, I hold the asset, 60% LVR, we'll do the value, it all stacks up here, where you go. You're going to pay through the nose for interest, though. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, the, the client might want that asset because it's for their business, it's the right location, whatever it may be. And then within time, look to refinance it out. You know, so get their financials in order or the market drops, whatever, and we, we solve that solution later. Okay. Any questions, Son? Covered a fair bit. Uh, only real quick one a lot of clients ask me is how much would you allow if they got the deposit ready, like from a banking lending time time frame, just for approval, because obviously we put off as subject yeah, to finance. Yeah. What would you allow for with different banks? Oh, you know, I guess we've always done the 21-day finance. I'd like to see probably 28, um, but it, it really depends on- So, to, sorry, so 28, so saying, I, I'm going to sign this, mm -hmm. this deal, but I want 28 days to confirm whether or not Get We're finance. Go ahead with it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so it's a yeah. finance condition. Finance condition. So it gives us and that's not a that's not a structural mandated thing. That's something that can be negotiated by. Yeah, your that's something agent. that uh, yeah. the investing team will negotiate. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, what you find is every property is different. The location's a big one. Yeah. Uh, Valuers, if it's CBD, you know, Metro, they can do it within five days because it's easy for them to just get out there and value it. Yeah. But the ones that are a bit out of town, like they'll go, oh, well, we only go up there once a week and, yeah. you know, it's a bit of a drive, so we'll charge yeah, you, you more. You know what? Like it's Murphy's Law. It's one of these laws, I reckon, where whether you negotiate seven days, 21 days or 28 days, it'll always be approved on the last day. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Like it's always going to be. We don't know if it's going to happen. We don't because it's going, to, and they're just, just, it just, 
makes the negotiation harder for, in your point, the buyer, the, the, buyer, like the buyer's agent on behalf of the buyer because yep. it compromises your ability to negotiate on other stuff and they're going, what's going on? What's oh, no. going on? What's going on? Oh, they the- always expect for it to go to right to the 11th, 11th hour. Yeah, I blame the valuers mostly. <laughs> they, they see the timeline and they're like, yeah, they they right. push it out, right? So you've got to always yeah, tell them just, two different dates. So can you influence the valuer at all in terms of, like I know in Resi a lot of people go, they'll meet the valuer and say, look look what I've done here and I've added all this value yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Is it worthwhile doing that in commercial? So this is, 100%. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, valuers we blacklist because they're just- uh, So you say, nah, don't want them. Oh, we see the name and we know what they're going to do. Like, so you call out the bank and go, I don't want that valuer. Because he's- Do they just get stuffed? That's no, no, the, there's a panel. Yeah. and okay. um, We can choose on the panel. That valuers can be bad for different reasons. Like they might have a, a personal gripe against an agent that argued with them on a previous deal. So they're deliberately like, you know. This, so there is a bias sometimes. 100%. Whether it's whether, whether it's a known bias or a deliberate yeah, bias. People yeah. will say there's no bias, but there's bias. Um, okay. And specific agents might be somewhat more aggressive if deals crash or not. And the local up going, why are you pricing this? Yeah, you know it's worth. You've got much. no idea. Like yeah. learn learn the market, get a new job, all that kind of stuff. You know, so we um, we sort of avoid the valuers that will deliberately be conservative. Um, we just want someone who's realistic. Like, look at the you real want market, right? Mm. That's all we want. But, we don't and, want overmarket. But I'd be arguing if for a, a valuer, right, a deal originated by a buyer's agent, you would assume should be a pretty good deal because the buyer's agent's well, operating on behalf of the. The buyer to get a good deal. Correct. Like it's not very often. I don't know. Maybe but, it happens where where the the buyer's agent's putting deals which are out of market, right? Yeah. Look, buyer's agent Runs shouldn't counter. have a, have an effect. Yeah. But one of the things valuers do is if it's an off market deal, like sixty, actually nearly eighty percent of what we do is off market. Yeah. Some valuers think- is it really off market though? True yeah, off market. Like true off market. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah we, 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 we do off market po- properties. We just- Yeah. Like you know. an example is like a lease gets drawn that day yeah. and then that day there's a lease in place. We buy it before it's even like signed. Before it's marketed yeah. anywhere, yeah. before it hits it. So if it hits a uh, real estate platform, it's not off market. No, no. That's no. just, you know, it's been flogged around a database, so it's yeah. not off market. But um, some values don't like off market because they think it hasn't been trialed by the market. Okay. They think it's non-competitive, even though as a buyer's agent, I think it's the opposite. We've bought it without competition. Mm. They just look at it differently. So some values don't like off-market, some respect an off-market because it's all to do with, you know, the cap rate and the square meter rate on the rent. You know, it's it's pretty simple metrics. So we just work with the valuers that are, I guess, commercially minded really. And um, yeah, and there's normally three to choose from, so it's pretty easy. Okay, so not all valuers are created equal. No, there's some good ones and some. Uh, it's funny, right? Like you know, how do you want your valuation to stack up? Or well, you want it to be. Sometimes you want it to be more than what it's worth. Sometimes you want it less. It's like Which it's never horses, do. But horses, right? <laughs> yeah. You like a big valuation, don't you, Son? Well, you know? I just want to come on point, really. Yeah. Uh, valuers will never put it more than what the purchase price is. Yeah. Uh, just to protect themselves, but uh, yeah, you know, you will see them be a bit conservative sometimes as well, mm. just to protect themselves, but. Yeah, as long as it stacks up, I'm happy. Maybe which which can be good in. sometimes. Maybe get one of your friendly valuers in. Yeah. Well, there's my lo- second last purchase. I had a really good guy in um, uh, WA help me through it, and we used it to get the price down to a degree. You know, like we worked together and sort of- Well, so you could actually go, yeah, I'm not paying this because the value is coming in this. You better drop your price. That's when you want your, value, little, your valuation to come in yeah. under, right? Mm. Yeah. So you, you know. can use It's a really good negotiation tool. So, but so, you can't, but you shouldn't really- the value as independence is that they should say what it's worth 
in the eyes of the lender who's going to be putting the debt against it. Yeah, so correct. But you can work together and go, we think that, like, oh, look, maybe I'm in a different position because we're sort of, you know, we're we're mass buyers of the market. Yeah, so we yeah. sort of, I'm not just some random buyer off the street, but if we look at a rent and go, yeah, that's a bit inflated, yeah, just let's just exclude that because it's under 12 months of rent. Like you, you can kind of mm. work together because, yeah, th- there's a bit of flex in a vowel either way. Um, okay. It might only be, you know, 100, 200 grand, but that's a negotiation tool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, Son. No worries, Learned mate. a lot. It's a good time to be a broker. Oh, yeah, it's a tough time, but no, it's, it's good times. Tough. Always there's, there's always work. Oh, I say, uh, too much work, compliance. <laughs> when times are good, people want loans. When times are bad, they don't want to refi. So we've always got work. So, yeah. yeah. Refinance has been booming, but that's sort of slowing down a bit now, isn't it? But yeah. you'll get another kick into it. It's just, you know, that to the point you made, you know, your mortgage broker should be, you know, understanding where you are and where the pressure points are in your financing for, you know, everyone talks about this interest rate cliff. So mm. there is solutions around yeah. it. Yeah, we're also, it's all about uh, solutions moving forward. We're also looking for commercial brokers, if anyone oh, here we is go. looking. Here we go. <laughs> so we're turning into a recruitment podcast now, yeah. is it? Oh, we need more brokers. How do you know if someone's a good commercial broker? Ooh, that's a, a really good question. Yeah. Like you, you're obviously looking for them, right? But you know, yeah. if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a commercial investor and you're trying to find a new commercial broker, because mm. there's some excellent brokers in Australia. 100%. 100%. But, but they're really good at resi, you know, yeah, commercial yeah. a different discipline. So with all the guys that we've, I guess, hired mm. and brought on board into the business, uh, the biggest thing I look for is attitude, Yeah. right? And, you know- well, like a can-do attitude. Can-do like attitude, problem, problem solving, uh, not focused on rate. Yeah. Look, rate is important, but I wouldn't say it's the main objective, yeah. right? Because again, you've got to look at the holistic view of why we're doing this. We want to buy some property that's going to give us good cap growth, got um, good cash flow, you know, people want that. Mm. So are you really going to say no to a deal just because the interest rate is, you know, 0.5 cheaper over here, which is not going to happen, like yeah. kill the whole deal? I've had brokers uh, that have come and go as well um, because they couldn't get over that, yeah. right? And I was like, look, I don't think you're suitable for us and what we want to do because you, you're stuck on this point of, you know, client wants a lower rate. Who doesn't want a lower rate? Mm. You know what I mean? But you got to see it in the big scheme of things, right? So do this, come back to a lower rate later on, whatever it may be. So I guess, yeah, you know, problem solving is the biggest thing because every deal uh, is different. Every client is different. What they want are different. And mm. just trying to put that puzzle together. We use so many different lenders. We don't just stick to, you know, the big four or whatever. When I look at my book, I'm just like, oh, my God, I've used nearly everyone because everyone has a different policy from time to time. And I think that's a good sense to – um you know, with a sort of uh, disclaimer message, everyone's lending circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to get the right advice for you, dependent on your particular circumstance. And, you know, apologies, but, um, um, you know, we're just a couple of guys talking about what you can do here. This is not in any way constitutes financial advice. Uh, I'm just but a humble journalist interested in mortgages. <laughs> um, so um, if, if you want to actually understand what's going on with your finances, you need to build the right team around you and go directly to a bank. That's cool. Um, uh, they'd be more than happy to, to, to take your business, but you know, think about a mortgage broker as well. Um, uh, tell them everything because then they'll get you the best outcome uh, for yourself. But um, some some just some ideas we've been chatting about today and you know, speak to your broker around it, see if it is relevant to you. Thanks for coming in, Son. No worries, mate. Thanks good, for having mate. me. Uh, Scott, what's next for us after mortgage broker, uh, accountants? I was, thinking, you know? I was thinking of doing a bit of a, 
a statewide roadshow. So maybe get some two Queensland agents okay. or some Victorian agents and just like drill down into some certain markets, the most popular ones. So mm. maybe, yeah, let, let us know if you've got any other suggestions, but that could be another five podcasts in a row potentially. Yeah, that, I so. think that's really good. And and a bit of feedback on the last podcast and apologies, my fault. Um, uh, the quality wasn't great. Uh, so we're in the studio face-to-face here. So it should be coming in with high-definition sound <laughs> sponsored by Dolby. But, um, uh, yeah, I think we were both remote last time we got together. And, yeah, uh, a bit of a rush uh, job, that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait. Where was I? I was in Melbourne, I Melbourne. think, somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was giving Melbourne Docklands. Yeah, uh, yeah. Smashed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got to open a few more kebab shops down there. You yeah. know, it's what you need at midnight, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway, there's a tip. A tip for Docklands. Get some open. <laughs> Get a restaurant that opens after 8 o'clock at night, you know, if you're going to. Pack it full of apartments. People need to be fed yep. anyway. Like Docklands, great get it place ready for to you. Be. Get it, great place <laughs> to be. Uh, Scott and Neil, if someone want to sort of interrogate quiz you guys on this or Son or whatever, what's the best way? Yep. So um, just info at Rethink Investing if they just want to talk to the brokers. Uh, just inquiries at rethinkfinancing.com.au. All right. There you go. Uh, you're going to get a barrage of probably. Oh, probably. Yeah. Give me one of these lease stocks. The other give, me, give, <laughs> give me one of these lease stocks quick. Uh, but lots to consider, that, uh, everyone. And remember, um, you know, uh, and we had a really good discussion. Uh, check in with the accountant when you when you're sort of structuring with this sort of stuff inside super, outside of super. Talk about SPV, special purpose vehicles. It uh, gets a lot more complicated. So uh, make sure you get the right advice. Uh, this is inside commercial property with Rethink Investing. Uh, we'll see you again next time. Until then, bye bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned.